0: Welcome to the Ancient Slumber Podcast, show number thirty-two. My name is Chris Ward, and I need a poo. But before that, I'm going to be talking to Myron Schmidt. How you doing, Myron? I'm doing good, Chris. How are you? Um, I need a poo, but I'm doing well. <laughs> well, I, I can't help you with that. I mean, you got a bucket? You got a bucket nearby? Uh, no, but I'm I'm sure some of the films we are going to talk about today will help <laughs> ease it through. Today we are delving back into Camp Crystal Lake with the second part of our Friday the 13th retrospective Oh (laughs) Jesus And and if we make it that far we are going to be looking at Day of the Dead Bloodline (laughs) There's a laxative film if ever there was one
1: That's right (laughs) <laughs> the remake, no one wanted.
0: <laughs> the one no one wanted, but the one everyone got. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, but we'll get there. Oh dear. So how you been? Good. What about you? Yeah, yeah. I'm considerably poorer than the last time we spoke, but uh, that's owning a car for you. And yeah, with Arrow Video's upcoming release schedule, I'm going to be even bloody poorer. Right. I think I think we should give out some congratulations to our friend Amanda.
1: The good news for Amanda keeps on rolling. Her book nominated for Rondo, she's doing an Arrow commentary. Oh my
0: god. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, Arrow she in is. the in the US and the UK are putting out Wes Craven's Last House on the Left on Blu-ray in May. Right. Which is wonderful and Amanda is doing a commentary track for it. I know. Fantastic. That's so awesome. I know. I think that's pretty damn special because I think I think as a, as a how can I put it? As a writer and a podcast and all that sort of stuff, those are the sort of gigs that you uh, you aspire to. Good to get, really.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: really. I mean, it's. I expect I'd get to do one if I wasn't such a gobshite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic news. So well done, Amanda.
1: Exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and if there are any sort of uh, independent film studios or, or independent film studios who are putting out uh, some movies and they want some extra content, uh, Myra and I am we are available for a commentary that's, track.
1: That's right. We can even try to be
0: professional. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> we okay. could try. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, we we could be like those um, accident claims adverts. We can say, uh, you know. Right. No win, no fee. (laughs) No one likes it. You ain't got to pay for it. Don't worry. We'll do it for free. (laughs) And you get what you pay for in that respect. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Right? Right?
0: Yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah, yeah. Good fun. Good fun. Yeah, I'd love to do something. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Yeah, I would. Absolutely. (laughs) Anyway. Oh, dear. Where were we? What were we doing? Oh, yeah. You haven't bought anything recently, have you? No, I haven't. I have so just for our good friend Foster, I'm going to play the jingle that took me years to record. That's right. It it took longer than it took Guns and Roses to record Chinese Democracy. (laughs) That's how long it took me to do this jingle. So here it comes. (laughs) What we've been buying? What we've been buying? (laughs) Right. Um. Just for Foster. Just for Foster. This goes just to him. That's right. Yeah, I bought a couple of things recently, actually. But one I wanted to. Start again. One in particular I wanted to mention was a film called The Hunt. OK. From 2012. Um, it's, right. it's a Danish film and it stars Mads Mikkelsen. Really? Yes, because he is Danish, you know. So that's quite wow. a good fit, really, isn't it? Right. But yeah, I am a fan of Mads Mikkelsen. I think he's really good in pretty much everything he, I've seen him in. Um, but yeah, it's a really good fit. It's a drama, really. I don't often delve into the world of uh, heavy drama, but um, it's about a uh, kindergarten teacher who gets accused of being a pedophile. Ooh. Ooh, dark subject matter indeed. Um, yeah, he is, yeah. He is completely innocent. Okay. It's based on a book, and, and I think the book's a bit more ambiguous about it. But in the film, he's um, completely innocent, and um, it's basically about how the news gets out really quickly and people react around him like friends and colleagues and that sort of quickly distance themselves from him and all that sort of stuff. Right, right. right. But brilliant film. Um Arrow put it out. Uh, arrow films label and uh it's fantastic film and i highly recommend it sweet that's awesome i picked it up for less than two quid that's
1: right which was good i i i rent a movie though i did rent and watched jigsaw oh what did you think i i'm gonna go to minority i kind of liked it all right i liked it i i mean is it is it a great film no is it a solid three, three and a half? Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's about what I gave it, I think, three three yeah, stars. Yeah.
1: yeah, exactly.
0: I think it was better than um, Saw 3D.
1: I have to go back and rewatch all the saws. It's been so many years.
0: Well, that's what I did before I reviewed Jigsaw. Oh. My full review is up on Flickering Myth, if anyone wants to watch it, uh, read it even. I went back and watched the whole lot before I reviewed it, and I think it's better than Saw 3D.
1: You know, what's funny is I, I hesitate to go back and watch some of these franchise movies because if we cover them, I want to kind of watch them fresh.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, I get that. I, I put off, you
1: know, a lot of the later Friday the 13th that I've never seen. Yeah. And just because of, you know, okay. that we might do a franchise thing.
0: Well, I went back to watch all the saws because I thought, you know, it's quite a long, convoluted story, so I wanted to make sure I sort of knew where I was when Jigsaw started sort of thing. Right, right. I've got to say, my opinion on a couple of the films changed, actually, from the last time I saw them. So, uh, by the wow. time we get to cover them, they may have changed again. You never know.
1: You never know. I, all I can say is I saw Saw in the theater, and okay. I walked out blown a freaking away with that movie. I was like, oh my god, what is this? This was awesome.
0: Ah, uh, see, I didn't see the first one in the cinema. I think I saw three, four, and five. Okay. In the okay. cinemas. But, um, my opinion on the first one's different from when I first saw it. Which I may be in the minority on there, but, uh, I think we might get there one day. I
1: think
0: we might too. Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, there was a couple of other bits I wanted to mention. Oh, I bought The Lair of the White Worm. Ah, I saw you were watching that last night. Yeah. The, the resurrected Vestron label, which, uh, Lionsgate are putting out.
1: Oh, cool.
0: Uh, haven't you seen these?
1: No. Oh, no, the, but it's Lionsgate. Not cool.
0: They've resurrected the Vestron name. Remember from the 80s, the VHS? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. I do. And they're putting out Um, remastered films on Blu-ray that were on that label wow okay so there's Lair of the White Worm uh, Return of the Living Dead 3 which I've got Uh, what else have they put out Chud 2 Blood Diner Waxwork and there's another one I can't think of oh The Gate which I've actually got on its way from HMV at the moment and I think in the US they've put out Gothic and there was another big one that hasn't come out here yet which I can't remember what it is can't remember off the top of my head but yeah Sweet. So, yeah, I watched Lair of the White Worm, which is a film I adore. I remember renting that on VHS back in the day.
1: That's awesome.
0: Nude Amanda Donohoe in blue body paint. Oh. <laughs> with a big strap on.
1: Oh, I don't know. <laughs>
2: a big bloody strap
0: on. Ooh.
1: Oh, God, we are so 12.
0: Okay. We are. And <laughs> the other thing I bought very quickly was Truck Turner
1: never even
0: heard of it. Well, I think you should watch this because it's fucking brilliant. It's um, uh, 1974 black exploitation, starring Isaac Hayes and... Okay, I'm sold already, okay? You can just stop right there. The lady from Star Trek plays hura, Nichelle Nichols, she's in it as well. Yeah, it's possibly the best black exploitation film I've ever seen. I absolutely <laughs> adored it. It's got everything in it, everything you could want. It's <laughs> I put it on, and my son actually thought it was a parody. He said, is this like a sequel to Black Dynamite? I said, no, this is a genuine <laughs> article.
1: <laughs> now, listen, I just pulled it up on IMDB, and, the, and the, 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 um, the little description, Truck is a bounty hunter who gets a job to track down a guy named Gator. Yeah, what's, what? Come on! What's not to love? And I, Gator has to be played by Yafet Coda. He has to be.
0: Uh, no, he's not actually. Oh. No, no, actually, that bit of the, getting the guy called Gator is a really small bit of the plot. Um, he has oh. to he gets Gator, but this it's a fucking spoiler—it's nearly forty over forty years old—but he gets Gator, but then Yafet Koto is like another bounty, a gang boss who has to get Truck Turner in revenge. Oh. Of course, of course. Uh, But Yaphet Kotto is is fucking brilliant. Every every cliche that you could ever hope to get out of a black exploitation film is in there, and it's got one of the greatest car chases ever. Oh man!
1: It's got
0: it's got the it's got baskets of chickens. It's got the sheet plate of glass crossing the road. It's you know when the car goes round the corner. It's got everything. Absolute five star film I gave it It's on Blu-ray from 101 Films in the UK I'm not sure about the US But uh, yeah, if you can find it, fucking watch it Because it's brilliant Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Highly recommend it So yeah, that's what I've been buying So do you want to do some good, some bad, some ugly? Yeah, let's do it Let's do it Go on then, give us a good I watched a film last night Good for you with Glenn from The Walking Dead called Mayhem. Ah, yes.
1: You know, Joel Lynch did it. Mm. It's awesome. I was, it, it is a blend of comedy, of serious stuff. It is it is freaking awesome.
0: This was shown at Fright Fest last summer, um, but I don't think it was on one of the days I was there.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a bad thing you missed it because it was, it was just, it was a high high quality, well done movie.
0: Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's on Shutter over here. So, all oh, right. I don't know if that means it's on Shutter UK.
0: I'm not sure. I haven't looked at Shutter for a while, to be honest. Even though I keep paying for it, <laughs> I haven't looked at it for a while. Yeah, that might have to stop now as well. Yeah, but that,
1: <laughs> you know, that's one. If you're in the US and you have Shutter, go watch it. It, it is, it is an enjoyable. Joel Lynch hits it out of the park.
0: Excellent. Yes, I am. So, it is one I do want to see, but uh, I should keep a lookout for that where I can, wherever I can find it. Brilliant. Um, my good. Where's the one I was gonna, I was surprised by this, but I actually enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Is The Foreigner really? Yes. Okay. Have you seen, have you seen it? No, no. No. The name sounds familiar. It's a Netflix film. I'm not. Sh- I, I assume that means it would be in the US as well. Jackie Chan and Piers Brosnan. Not the most likely of duos you'd ever uh, come across, but um. Right. Right. It's basically a. You could either call it a political thriller. With a Jackie Chan revenge movie at the centre of it, or you can call it a Jackie Chan revenge movie with, <laughs> built around a political thriller. However, you want to do it.
1: Right, right.
0: <laughs> Piers Brosnan probably. I'm not a massive Piers Brosnan fan, but I think he probably his best performance. He does a very convincing Jerry Adams impression. Oh,
1: okay, okay. I thought you were going to say his best performance since GoldenEye, but okay.
0: It's by the same director as well as GoldenEye. Really? Yes. Really?
1: I just pulled
0: that out of my ass. Wow, look at me! So did the director. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. It was very good. And okay. um, <laughs> Jackie Chan's good in it as well. He, he, awesome. his, his daughter gets killed in a bomb blast, and he basically wants wants the person who set off the bomb. Okay. And All so, right. and you've got Piers Brosnan playing a sort of Jerry Adams character who's sort of not involved with the IRA, but is involved with the IRA sort of thing. So, uh, got it. Got it. Yeah, very good. Um, I gave it four stars on Letterbox. Uh, I thought it was very good. I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. So yeah, sweet, sweet. There we go.
1: We're gonna go to a bad, and you're not gonna like me.
0: Oh dear.
1: Oh dear. I have to go with Slave the Cannibal God.
0: Right. Thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen. That is the last Ancient Slumber <laughs> podcast. <laughs> you know what? No, no
1: amount of Ursula and her boobs, bush, nudity, ass, whatever. Say, could save this movie. <laughs> I, 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 was watching this going, okay, uh, okay, Cannibal Holocaust, uh, no, it's a different movie. No, no, Cannibal, <laughs> no, it's a different movie. A- and then we get to the end, and I, I, I don't even know how to describe the <laughs> fingering and the pig sex scene. I, I just, <laughs> I, I'm like, what? What, where,
0: what? It's an Italian film, what do you want about?
1: I just, I, I'm just okay. Okay. I am i don't even know what to say. I I hated it. Start to the finish. Sorry.
0: <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and say it's a good film, objectively. Because <laughs> <laughs> it isn't. Um, I saw it a few years ago, and I thought it was great, mainly because of uh, Ursula Andres' tits in it. <laughs> and they are magnificent. Well, yes, and I rewatched it a couple of weeks ago, and I, th- I guess I had a bit more of my critical eye on. And I went, "This actually isn't very good, is it?" But I still like it.
1: <laughs> okay, I'm glad that I've seen it. Yeah. Okay, I can say that I've seen the movie. I can now
0: participate in the discussion on it. <laughs> do you but get I the got... fe- Do you get the feeling they didn't tell Stacy Keach what film they were making? <laughs> because it's, it's just a coincidence that the moment he. Exits the film is when it gets a bit saucy.
1: <laughs> I don't even. I, I'm not sure we could. Have, let's not even call that saucy. Let's just call that freaking weird. <laughs> you know, I, I'm all for a bit of saucy and whatnot, but woo, that one left the planet. That was like what? <laughs> what, what? We go from that to what? <laughs> I just, I'm just watching it going. I just can't even. I, I, I
0: yeah, but okay. just, just think of the visuals.
1: Yeah, no, no, I can't. All I can see is. <laughs> Never mind. Just go on, Chris. <laughs> Give us your
0: bad. Give us your, a your bad. A bad one. Reading. Oh. God. I watched a film from 1995 called Extro Three. Watch the skies. Okay. Now, do you know the film Extro? Yes. Yes, that's getting a Blu-ray release here uh, in a few weeks' time. Okay. And I got into a Twitter conversation with our friend Jim Moon from Hypnagoria.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, and we were talking about Extro and all that, and uh, I said, "Oh." Uh, we got onto Extra 2 and I said yeah not, I watched it recently not as good as I remember uh, but neither of us, had, of us had seen Extra 3 so of course I went to eBay and I found a copy on VHS for like one ninety nine. so I thought oh, I'll have that on VHS wow yeah I now own all three of them on VHS slow clap yeah it's nothing to be proud of really <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not I was to be fair I wasn't expecting much and I wasn't disappointed.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's very much 1995 low budget sci-fi monster thing. Um I could see this going on the sci-fi channel at some point and it fitting in quite nicely there. But um the look of the alien was quite cool. There was a, a black and white autopsy scene in the middle that was quite good, but the soldiers were like shit. You know, they weren't soldiers. They were fucking models wearing khaki uniforms. Oh, and, God. Yeah. And the alien may have looked okay, but it was they were like part E.T., part Predator, but without any of the sort of danger. <laughs> yeah, it was a shit film. <laughs> <laughs> but I've seen it. It's ticked off the list, oh. and it, it sits nicely on the shelf with the other two, so it looks all right, but uh, I won't watch it again. There you go, yeah, if they put out a Blu-ray of that, I probably won't be buying it. Although I know there's that niggly good. collector's good gene good that I've got that will, will make me buy it eventually. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, when it comes out in a pound shop, how
0: can you pass it up? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll still haggle then. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Can I have it for fifty p? Uh, yeah. Anyway, give us an ugly film.
1: All right. Well, I've got I've got another good,
0: Ooh. and then I've got two
1: ugly. Ones. So. The first that I want to talk about is a movie called Devils Well. Yes. It, it's a found footage done in the documentary style. Of course it is. I, 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 I was hooked. I I was I tweeted about it. I posted on Facebook about it. I was really enjoying it. It was a great movie. And then we get to 10 minutes at the end. Yes. And it, it's you're just like, why? Why did you include that 10 minutes? Everything up until that point. Was good. You, you you had the film. You could have cut out that ten minutes, left the ending slightly ambiguous, and it would have been a great film. No, no, no. You decided to include this ten minute weird ceremony thing. It just shit the bed. Why? It's okay to end it ambiguously. It's a found footage movie. They all end that way.
0: Do they end you know, with? A, did it end with the camera falling over and someone being dragged off into darkness?
1: I I don't I I I don't even remember now. I mean, was that so means yes. I was so furious at the inclusion of this, whatever the hell kind of ceremony was going on that I was like, oh fuck me. Really? You're gonna go there? I kind of turned my mind off and discussed. So it was a good movie up until that last 10 minutes. And then it was like, nope. You you should have just, you should have just watched Lake Mungo, said, you know what, I wanna do a documentary style film like that. It was really cool how they did it. Come up with your own movie and just, Do it and leave the ending a little, huh, well, that's a good ending. That's a really good film. I need to watch it again to figure out the ending.
0: Nah. Well, there you go.
1: Right.
0: (laughs) Give us an ugly. This one may may get a little bit of uh, a chat out, a discussion out of us. I watched Hellraiser Judgment. Oh, God. And, (laughs) well, okay, at least it's in the ugly category. It's in the ugly because I didn't hate it. Okay. And I didn't like it. Well, it was alright, But, yeah, it's ugly because it's not what it could have been, if you know what I mean. That
1: that could be said for a lot of the latter Hellraiser.
0: Yeah. This one's a little different. It's still a placeholder film, like Revelations was. Right. Let's not make that mistake. It's a better film than Revelations, which you'll probably get across the board anyway. Its ambition is... Way above where it can actually reach. and yeah. There's ideas there. There's definite ideas there. There's a great new character in there, a Cenobite, called um, uh, the Auditor, played by Gary J. Tunnicliffe, who's the director. Okay. It, right, I'm going to spoil it. I'm going to have to spoil it. Right. Spoiler warning, everybody. If you don't want to hear the ending of Hellraids Judgment, then skip forward. Right. Hellraiser Judgment leaves itself open to a possible new direction for the series, if somebody's got the balls to do it. Right. That is to carry on without Pinhead. Thank God. Because. Thank freaking God, finally. At the end of Hellraiser Judgment, Pinhead gets turned back into a human. Thank God. But the Auditor is still in the Hell Realm.
1: Thank God. God, finally somebody got a group a pair of balls and did something like
0: that. So all credit to Gary J. Tunnicliffe for doing that. I think it's a ballsy move and I think it's the move they need to make because yep. the remake yep. that we keep being told about is not going to happen. In an ideal world, Dimension will lose the rights, give it to someone like Blumhouse or someone like that. Clive Barker will write it and they'll get a, a decent genre director involved and we'll have a decent remake. That isn't going to happen. So... It looks like, it looks like Dimension are going to keep the rights. Gary J. Tunnicliffe is very passionate about the project. And as long as he's involved in the next one that will happen, if, if they can carry on as they are without Pinhead, I'm up for seeing where it can go. Right. The elephant in the room is obviously there's a different actor playing Pinhead, which is Paul, right. Paul T. Taylor. He's fine. He's absolutely fine. He's, he's not in it that much. He, he's tapping into what a bit of Doug Bradley. He's definitely a big fucking improvement over that last guy who did it yeah he, he's adequate and he does what he needs to do and you you could still believe it's the same character as it was in the previous films okay so okay. I'll leave it at that if they do if they do bring Pinhead back into it and it's Paul T. Taylor, I think that would be okay but I think if they don't need to bring Pinhead back into it now right um have you listened to podcast under the Stairs review of it? No, I haven't ah. Right, listen to that podcast. It's Duncan and Andy Blockley talking about oh, it.
1: Sweet, it's got blockers. Oh my god!
0: Yeah, well, they both they both think along the same lines, but one of them likes it more than the other one, and I sort of fall somewhere between the two of them. Okay, well, don't spoil that for me. I no, be, no, but download it and listen to it.
1: I want to revel in the majesty of, of Andy and Duncan.
0: But okay. uh, but to, I will be fair to it. It looks like a low budget film and it is. You can tell that this was filmed just on a small cupboard somewhere on the studio set. Right. Yeah. I think if you give Tunny Cliff some more money, maybe get a different director. He's fine as a writer. He's got some ideas. He's obviously a good makeup guy. Maybe get another director. And I, th- I think you, you could have something. You could have a, a at least a solid direct to video sort of series. Nothing. Okay. That's, nothing that's going to hit the majesty of what happened before, but right. Well, like yeah. I say, it just depends if someone's prepared to put some money down and have the balls to carry on without Pinhead. Right. Do it that way, and I think maybe you know there could be something. Got it. But I, would, as it is, I would say it's the best Hellraiser film since Inferno. Okay. All right. So I'll, I'll, I'll say that. There you All go. Right. I gave it two and a half stars on Letterbox. Okay.
1: Alright, fair play to that. I, uh, I gotta go listen to the Duncan episode.
0: But yeah, give it a <laughs> listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: Oh, God.
0: So, anything else?
1: Uh, well, I got another good and one more ugly. Go on then. Alright, my good real fast is The Ritual. It's a great flick. It's on Netflix. Go watch it.
0: Is that the Anthony Hopkins one?
1: I, fuck, I don't get it. Dude, I don't, I don't know. It's about the guys that go hiking in Norway and...
0: Oh, no, it's not the No, no, no. Uh,
1: bad things happen. It's, oh. uh, it, it's, it's a good film. It, it's solid. It's, you know, the monster reveal at the end, eh, could have been better. They could have just left the monster ambiguous. That might have helped, but yeah, it's not bad. Okay. I, I really enjoyed it. You know, just for something that pops up on Netflix, you go, Oh wow, that's pretty decent. Okay. And then my ugly. This one had the potential. <laughs> Bigfoot found footage. I'm there. I don't care what it's like. It could be a <laughs> shit film. I am there. I can tell
0: you it's going to be a shit film.
1: Okay. So we got, we've got, um, God, what is the other one? Um, the, is it the Lost Coast tapes?
0: Yeah. Um,
1: uh, we, we've got, you know, we've got, I've got like a list of them that I've seen. I will track down any found footage, Bigfoot found footage movie to watch. They did one, I think it finally came out this year, last year, called The Wild Bunch, I think. It was a comedy, well-done movie, solid.
0: That's Ernest Borgne Cowboy film, in it? I don't know. <laughs> Sam Pecky, this,
1: this one, it's called Hunter's Crossing. Huh. It tried to be funny. It just fell short of every single model. Every single model. <laughs> it was just, wasn't very good. It wasn't very funny. They had a few funny moments. I just... I threw up my hand. Matter of fact, it took me actually three days to finish the movie. It was that unengaging. Oh, well. So, but I can say that I've seen it. Yep. I can say that it's in the basement. Apologies if the director listening. I'm sorry. I didn't like it. It just didn't, didn't click with me.
0: (laughs) I'm fed up of apologizing to directors now. (laughs) (laughs) I think they should just make, they should make good films. I shouldn't have to apologize to them for telling their shit. (laughs) You know,
1: the Part of the problem with wrapping this up is this means we have to go talk about Friday the 13th movies and I'm not so sure that I want to do that.
0: Well, I'm afraid you're going to have to because that's what the good listeners have tuned in for. Oh, God, don't make me. I'm going to kick this off now for, with Friday the 13th Part 5, a new beginning. Let's play a trailer. <laughs>
2: Memory of Jason still haunts you. You're not alone. Friday the Thirteenth, Part Five: A New Beginning. A severe trauma at age twelve, brutal self-defense, murder of a psychopathic killer. Boy, they've given him every therapy they can think of. It's wonder his mind isn't fried with all the drugs I've given him.
0: The mindless, murderous fury that was buried with Jason has been reborn. Pete. And suddenly, terror has
2: become child's play. Friday the 13th, Part 5, A New Beginning.
0: Right. Oh, it feels like ages since I've done this. Right. Friday okay. the 13th, Part 5, A New Beginning from 1985. Directed by Danny Steinman and starring Melanie Kinneman John Shepard. Bob D. Simone, John Robert Dixon, Curtis Conway, Corey Feldman, very briefly at the beginning, Tiffany Helm, Hi. and some other people that we don't really know, right? Correct. Right. So this was a weird movie. Do you want a synopsis? Yeah, just give, give us a synopsis. synopsis, as on IMDb, is still haunted by his past. Tommy Jarvis, who as a child killed Jason Voorhees wonders if the serial killer is connected to a series of brutal murders occurring in and around the secluded halfway house where he now lives. Right. Ooh. Right. right. Go on, then.
1: So Jason is played by Tom Morgan, I think, right?
0: <laughs> is he? I don't know.
1: I, I don't fucking <laughs> know. That's what I got written down. You know what? There's there's a lot of kills. Yeah. And it's a weird movie. Um. So anybody who hasn't seen it, spoiler alert, uh, there is no Jason. It's some what? guy. No, was. I saw him. No, 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 no. No, at the end or in the middle or something, Tommy Jarvis turns into Jason. <laughs> of course he does. Really? So we have a movie about Jason with no Jason, which it, I have to say is a rather bold move. Yes,
0: okay? for 1985. That hadn't been done.
1: Right. I liked The Railroad Spike to the Head. I thought that was a good one. Mm-hmm. But this one just didn't. It just didn't catch me. You know, I'm all for campy fun and all that kind of stuff. But this one, it was just, oi, man It's almost like, okay, I've seen the first four Jason movies, and now we're just, just making them for the sake of making them. And God help me, but maybe I'm just not the 80s guy. It just didn't click with me.
0: Right. Okay. This was the first time you watched it, yeah?
1: It was the very first time I watched it. Okay. But unfortunately, I knew... Uh some spoilers, I knew there was no Jason in this one. I knew it was somebody in a hockey mask that was a killer, but not Jason.
0: Spoilers! It was Roy, the ambulance man.
1: Right, it was Roy. But then at the end, Tommy Jarvis turned to, uh, you know, Jason. And, okay. It. Okay. It yeah.
0: All right. Yeah. Did you get round to watching the Crystal Lake Memories documentary I told you about?
1: Okay. I own the Blu-ray now.
0: Right. Okay. So
1: I, I did buy the Blu-ray. It is packed away in a box somewhere. I did not get
0: to. Oh, because you moved, didn't you? So? Yes, yes. All right. Okay. I, right. Let me say where I am on this. This was one of the first ones I saw on video. Um, I think I saw part three, part one, and then I think it was this one. And okay. I watched it, pooh at least four times in a weekend when I first rented it. And I really like this film. Really? Yes. I'm going to go against the grain here. Everybody who reviews the Friday the 13th series, all the podcasts I listen to, you don't hear very many people praising this film. And I'm not going to sit here and say it's a really well made, solidly brilliant thriller because it's not. It's there are problems here, but nostalgically, I've got a lot of love for it.
1: Okay. Okay. That I now that I can absolutely get. I, I yeah. absolutely get that.
0: And. Let's be honest, what you go into a Friday the 13th movie for is to watch somebody in a hockey mask with a machete killing teenagers. Yes. That's got more of that than probably any of the other ones we've seen so far. Regardless of the fact that it isn't Jason, does it matter? Not really. No, I guess it really doesn't. No, it's only when you find out it isn't Jason, you go, oh, shit, up until that point, you're on board with it. Yes, yes. I mean, it is. If you want to watch somebody, whoever it is, in a
1: hockey mask killing people, there is roughly 20 kills, including Roy, the ambulance guy. Yeah. I so, say, yeah, I, there is a body count extraordinary.
0: I watched this, this early on when I was probably about 12, something like that, and I wasn't aware of the mythology, the whole mythology of Jason. I knew, basically, it's a Friday Thirteenth film. There's a killer called Jason. He kills people. So, right. I watched at the end of it and I went, oh, are they saying that it was someone dressed as Jason? Oh, OK. I wonder if I wonder if they do that with the other films. I don't know. I haven't seen them all yet.
1: Right. right. So
0: it didn't bother me and it still doesn't bother me now. I know that part six, when we get there in a minute, bypasses this one. Um, I get why they've done that. That's not a problem. But I think a bit like a Nightmare on Elm Street 2. If you take this out of the context of the rest of the series and just watch it as a standalone, I fancy a Friday the 13th, but I'm not sure which one to watch. I'll stick on part five. It gives you everything that the other films do. It's just got a bit of a twist at the end. It doesn't work as a twist, let's be honest, but it's got, you can ignore that.
1: If you just have this as a generic movie, guy in hockey mask kills people with a twist at the end, it would all work. But the problem, I think, is it's shoved in the Jason
0: realm and it just doesn't work. And I've said all credit to them for trying something different at, at this stage of the game, because, you know, Friday the 13th, the five films in now, you know, you, you're looking at other options, other fresh ideas. Elm Street was picking up momentum. You know, there were other right. slashers on the block at the time. They tried something right. different. It didn't work in the big scheme of things. They, they adjusted it. They went back to the next in the next film and wrote it off, which is what the Halloween franchise is doing now. and right. people And people are accepting it. So I don't see the problem.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But the – look, let's be honest. There's two big differences. Mm-hmm. The Halloween franchise has John Carpenter, Jamie Lee ah. Curtis, and the shape, Nick Castle. Okay. Who the fuck cares what else? And it's got those three things in it. That's what people want. Yeah, but uh, – <clears throat> all right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I got you, I know what you're saying. Yeah, playing.
0: you haven't got it. All right, if Friday the 13th Part 6 came out and it was Sean S. Cunningham who come back to the series and said, okay, we're going to ignore Part 5 and we're going to ignore everything come before and make another sequel and carry on, people wouldn't think twice about it. But the fact that these are no-name film directors and that doesn't really make much difference. Right, it so, doesn't. I, I, I get what you're saying, but I say, I get in late one night, oh, I'm going to stick on a slasher film, what have I got? Ah, it's Friday the 13th, part 5. I don't have to watch part 4 because it gives me a bit of a catch up at the beginning. I don't need to worry about part 6 because that goes off somewhere else. It's a little standalone. It gives me lots of blood. It gives me the best pair of tits that are in the series. (laughs) I don't care if that sounds sexist or whatever, but Debbie Sue Voorhees has got the best rack of the whole series. Jesus Christ,
1: oh my god!
0: It got the twelve-year-old me excited, and it gets the forty-one-year-old me very excited still. And in, is, on is, Blu-ray, what is, oh, what is wrong with us? <laughs> on Blu-ray, it looks fantastic. <laughs> God bless high definition.
1: God, Jesus Christ help us!
0: Oh my God! Oh, come Uh-oh. on! What what do we watch these films for? I sex and death. That's what's in them. Well, that's what we watch cheers. them for. Cheers. And Danny Steinman, the director, had been a porn film director, so. That's why he was throwing more nudity in it than all the other films. <laughs> the other thing I want to mention, this also has one of the <laughs> most stupidest scenes in the whole series, but you can't help but love it. We got Miguel Nunes Jr.
1: Okay.
0: Who we've seen in the Leprechaun series before. On okay. our shows. He's in a <laughs> he's in a toilet have <laughs> shitting out some <laughs> them damn enchiladas <laughs> 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 with uh, <laughs> Dressed up as Michael Jackson with his hair full of soul glow.
2: <laughs> soul glow?
0: <laughs> soul oh my glow. God. Oh, come on. <laughs> you get an A plus for the soul glow reference.
1: Oh, uh, my God. Soul yes.
0: glow. Yeah. Love a bit of soul glow. We do. Oh, those days are gone for me. But uh, yeah, always like this. <laughs> and he's in a toilet having a shit and he's singing a song to his girlfriend outside. <laughs>
1: Doesn't he have like this shark tooth earring or some
0: shit on? Yeah. Oh god! No. I'm going to yeah, put a soundbite of that in at the end of the podcast. I think I'm going to have to. It's, it's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, this is a dumb film. I get why people don't like it. It is the odd ball of the series. It's the one that doesn't quite fit. But I have a lot of fun with it. I can put it on any time and I'll sit down and I'll enjoy it. You know. Right. Yeah, Roy the ambulance man. If if that character had been in the film more prominently, the reveal might have been a bit, have more effect. The fact that he's in it for about ten seconds at the beginning of the film, and the camera lingers on him just five seconds too much, too long, and that you're supposed to make think of him as a major character. Right. Well, you know you know how it is. I mean, they they tried to blah blah blah. But I like the kills. There's some good kills in this. There's the kid who gets the axe in the back. Yeah, I mean,
1: I dug the railroad spike. This was the one with the railroad spike, correct?
0: Uh, It's got the guy being strapped to the tree and the strap being twisted round, which I thought was quite inventive. Yes. If you look at that, while he's doing that, he's twisting the strap round. He's twisting it clockwise. One of the cutoffs, he's twisting it anti-clockwise, and then he's twisting it back clockwise again. <laughs> I notice shit like that. Yeah, I hear <laughs> Shame you. the editors yeah. didn't. But there we go.
1: Oh, buddy, I know. Yeah, there's not a lot else to
0: say. It is the oddball ball of the series. Um but I think they thought they were, the series was finished with part 4. They came back thought let's do something different but still sort of keep it within that universe and it didn't work. But they so there you go. But I still think it's a good solid watch. Sweet. So what did you score it? What did I score it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, 2.5 out of 5. You've just changed your rating, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You had it at two, didn't you? No, I had it at one. Yeah, you see. <laughs> don't think I don't know what you're up to, Mr. Schmidt. But, you know, after talking about it, and,
1: you know, really when I sat and thought, as you were saying, it's really as the standalone one. I'm like, you know what? You're, he's right. It is absolutely a standalone movie. And hmm. if we ignore all of the Jason stuff, it's not bad. It's an average slasher movie from
0: the eighties. Yeah. If you go into it with that big critical eye, then you're going to score it down. But if you just lose right. that and just let it let it sink in, there you go. It's a decent slasher right. film. Absolutely. I give it four Twinkie bars chopped in half with an axe. Out of five. I was with
1: it. where's the enchilada? I give it, you know, I give it two of and a half. You know, porta half port-a-potties out of five.
0: <laughs> I give it four four half digested shitted out enchiladas out of five
1: oh, for 12. and on <laughs> to the next movie oh my god before this goes sour
0: let's move on to the next Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives from 1986, directed by Tom McLaughlin, starring Tom Matthews, Jennifer Cook, David Kagan, CJ Graham, Tom Fridley, Renee Jones, Darcy Moss, Tony Goldwyn and Alan Blumenfeld. Synopsis is Tommy Jarvis goes to the graveyard to get rid of Jason Voorhees' body once and for all, but inadvertently brings him back to life instead. The newly revived killer once again seeks revenge and Tommy may be the only one who can defeat him right. Okay, now that sounds exciting.
1: And how does Jason get resurrected in this one?
0: Well, Tom McLaughlin's a big fan of Universal Monsters.
1: I was hoping, I was absolutely hoping for Dog This. No, wait, we've already done that. <laughs> already done that.
0: If, if If Tom Matthews had got his cock out and pissed on the grave and Jason had got up, I'd I'd be applauding this as the best of the series.
1: <laughs> yes! Yes!
0: You, it no, doesn't happen.
1: I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm gonna one-up you. Ooh! Alice Cooper as a homeless guy pissing on Jason Voorhees and he comes home. Oh,
0: yes. Dude,
1: that is a missed opportunity.
0: Yes, because he does the soundtrack, so. Right. Yeah. And he was in Prince of Darkness around this time, wasn't he?
1: Absolutely.
0: What do you think I'm saying? Crossover, a crossover with Prince of Darkness. Get Carpenter to remake it. (laughs) Oh, God. Chris. Yeah. I know you said
1: you'd get Movie on Pound Shop Monster Substitute, but maybe it's. Time to put that down for a bit.
0: <gasps> oh, yeah. <laughs> Brainstorming <laughs> these ideas live on the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is nothing but right. magic lightning. Back to Friday Night Part 6. You, had you seen this before? Never. Never? No. Okay. Did you know anything about it going in?
1: Uh, I only knew that James was re- resurrected by magic lightning.
0: Right. OK, I'll start this one. Um I saw this again on video back in the day, fairly early on, probably after part five. This was this is sometimes called the parody one. Obviously, you've got Jason being brought back to life at the beginning by lightning, which is obviously from Frankenstein. Uh You get also get the James Bond style opening credits, you know, where he walks sideways on, turns to the camera and throws his machete, which I quite like. Yeah, 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 I, I, I'm with you. So that's Tom McLaughlin letting you know that we're not in Kansas anymore. This isn't a serious, as serious as part the first four films. No, we're having fun with it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay, okay. I've got a bit of a love-hate relationship with this film. Um, I think, objectively, it's very good. It's very entertaining. It is. I like Tom McLaughlin as a filmmaker. He comes across very well in interviews, especially on that Crystal Lake Memories I I like Tom Matthews as a lead. He was in return of the living dead around this time as well. So he was a familiar face. CJ Graham as Jason, I think is very good. He's, um, cause we're now in undead Jason territory. He's got the, I think he's a former football player, CJ Graham. So he's got the, okay. the build. Right. Right. I think all the ingredients are there, but I don't know. Sometimes I watch this film and I really like it and I come away from it and I go, yeah, that was good fun. And then other times I come away from it and I think, yeah, I just wanted a bit more out of it. It's restrained in certain places. It's so funny you
1: say that because my rating reflected exactly what you just said.
0: Yeah, and I, I've I've listened to a lot of podcasts review this film before, and I may be generalising, but I think more American podcasters I've listened to seem to like this than British ones. Really? Yeah, and I'm not sure. What, I don't know whether it, you know, it speaks to. A, you know, an American audience more in some way. I don't know, but yeah, it's. I want to like it more than I do, but at the same time, I do think objectively it's one of the better ones.
1: Right, right. Well, it's what's so funny is what I put it in. One of the early characters, I think his name is Alan. All i do doing is screaming at the at the at the screen, going, "That's Horshack. That's Horshack.
0: I always hear that, and I don't know who that is. He's a character, right? Do you know where he's from? No.
1: Okay. So, Horseshack was a character on a sitcom in the 70s called
0: Welcome Back Cotter. Yeah, see that, I don't think we got that over here. Yeah, so and that, that could, is. That, again, that could be part of why these American audiences like it more than I do, sort of thing. And guess who got
1: their start on Welcome Back Cotter? Go on. John Travolta.
0: Oh, right, okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it was, it was a classic 70s sitcom. It had sound bites, there was t shirts with Horseshack on it. I mean, it was the whole thing, yeah. And I'm going, oh my god, that's Horshack, and it just, and I think it it was kind of that nostalgic click-in for me that allowed me to enjoy the movie.
0: Yeah, I've heard that a lot, and I've always thought it's one of those things that I probably should know. And then, but I'm not. Someone may correct me, but I don't think we got that sitcom over here, or if we did, it wasn't sort of on mainstream TV sort of thing. So, Yeah, there you go.
1: It's you know it's just it's one of those things where you know how kind of you know you get that nostalgic hook and you're like yeah, no, yeah. Of course, he's not in it long mind you he's in it at the beginning he gets wiped out and but you're like oh okay cool I can I'm in now I'm 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 groovy I'm comfortable seventies reminder of being a kid and
0: yeah yeah I get that I get that when I see Henry Winkler in things <laughs> right exactly <laughs> or Mr exactly. T or David Hasselhoff or people
1: <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh, <laughs> let's just forget Hass, but yes, yes, well, no, exactly. Even so, I mean, I remember
0: watching um, Piranha 3DD and uh, my son saying, isn't David Hasselhoff naff? And I was like, yeah, but that he knows he's naff.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> said, and, it, and, and that's part of my child. That's, you know, that's Michael Knight right there. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so right. I'll gladly watch anything with Hasselhoff in, but yeah, yeah for the same reason, I suppose. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It's, uh, you know, you just, you're like, oh, yeah, okay, I get it. Okay. Okay. So And it's only with things you like, because I remember Piers Bronson from I think it's a show called Remington Steel, but I wasn't a big watcher right. of that show. So it's not nostalgic for me when I see Piers Bronson and other things. It's you know how it is. It's just when you get more of a kin and something you really watched and imitated and laughed at. Well, I mean,
0: it. going back to the extra conversation I had with Jim Moon, um, Jan Michael Vincent's in extra two. Oh, Airwolf. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. I watch ah It's Stringfellow Hawk. So yeah, of course, it's a shit <laughs> film, but Stringfellow Hawks in it. So there you go. Right,
2: exactly. Yeah.
0: Okay. Right. Oh. Back, to, back to Jason Lives. So um, yeah, I told you my thoughts on it, my basic thoughts. So where were you?
1: I, I mean, I, I am. I was hooked in with Horshack. I mm-hmm. liked some of the kills. I love the paintball stuff. Yep. I my favorite one was the cop head
0: square. Oh right. Okay.
1: Yeah, I really really enjoyed that one. You know, Tommy and Megan put Jason back in Crystal Lake and blah, 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 blah. blah. But um, it was an enjoyable movie. Yeah. And it's just like you said. It was – I got hooked in early. I just let it wash over me and just let it happen, and it turned out to be just a fun movie.
0: I think what's curious over here is originally all the Friday the 13th films were rated 18. Uh-huh. Uh When they were re-released on DVD – about 10 years ago, this was the only one that was rated down to a 15. Really? Yes. And yeah, there's no nudity. There's a sex scene, but there's no nudity in it.
1: I, is that, is that what the deal was? I mean, it's I think got, so. you know, it's got, you know, like 17 or 18 kills in it. So obviously it's got violence coming out of the Yippee Hoo, but
0: this was trimmed by the MPAA.
1: Oh, okay. Okay.
0: I think mostly it's to do with the, um, the paintball scene, like you just said. Because he decapitates three of them in a row, doesn't he? They're all stood side by side. He swings his machete and they all drop.
1: Uh, Is it two or three? But yes, I know exactly what I got written down. That
0: scene was cut. Apparently that was a lot more gruesome in the original cut. And the bit where he slams the guy against the tree and you see the smiley face. Yes. I think that was a reshoot. I think Tom McLaughlin had to go in and add something. There was something else on that seeming like a stump sticking out and it went through their head or something.
1: Right, it was all that was on that, that that paintball scene.
0: Yeah, yeah. So this was this was the start of you know the NPA getting hold of these films and really slashing them down. It will get worse in the next one, but uh, this was the beginning of it. I think the gore isn't it's there, but it's not as heavy as it's been in previous films. And there's right. no nudity, so it feels a little bit like a not a made-for-TV version, but a, a watered-down version
1: compared to the last one. I can understand why people would say that because you know, but. I didn't really notice it very much as a watered-down version. I mean, the only thing missing was oops. It had, you know, a lot of kills, a lot of good kills, high body count. Hmm. That's just kind of my feeling, but, but, you know, I've only seen it once, so...
0: Yeah, but, I mean, I mean, that's the negatives. The good stuff, like I said, Tom McLaughlin is, is a filmmaker I like. He's worked a lot with Mick Garris and people like that. Right. And the sheriff in this is named Sheriff Garris after Mick Garris. There's lots of uh, references like that. There's a... One of the shops in it is called Carpenter Autos, I think. Uh,
1: I didn't even notice
0: that. Watch it again in the background, and there's street names and shops and things named after famous uh, filmmakers. Yeah, there's lots of yeah. Tom McLaughlin does all that sort of stuff. Sweet. I do like the kill with Sheriff Garris, where he's pushed into the hole and his back's broken in half.
1: Yes, yes. Wasn't that Wasn't that after a fist fight or something?
0: Yeah, he had a, he, he shot Jason several times, then ran out of bullets, and then they sort of <sighs> went at each other. Yeah,
1: it's a great kill. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about fistfights as we progress. The we'll
0: series. get there in a couple of films' time. Yeah. Yes, we will. <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> yeah, there are some good kills. It's, it's got the iconic. Um, uh, we call them mobile homes. You call them a different. Not mobile home. We call them like a caravan. What do you call it? The the RV that flips over. Yeah, it's an RV. RV. You call it, Yeah, the RV that flips and catches fire, and Jason climbs out and stands on top of it, which is a great shot. Of course. Yeah, it is a great shot. Um, we've got an early appearance from Tony Goldwyn, uh, from Ghost, who's in it. He's in a car with Tom McLaughlin's wife. And then Jason, uh, jumps on top of the car, puts a spear through it, and, um, they offer him money. <laughs> uh, do you know why Tom McLaughlin put that gag in there? No, no clue. You know when he kills the woman and he, uh, she falls over and her, her American Express card falls out? Yes, and the camera lingers on the American Express card. He yes. did that so people in the uh, cinema would yell out, "Don't leave home without it!" Oh God! A bit of audience interaction. <laughs> of course. It's a, if you watch Crystal Lake Memories, actually the part six one is really entertaining. How they actually got the film made.
1: I got the Blu-ray. It's packed in a it's packed in a tub somewhere. I got to get it out. Should
0: there is also a missing plot. There was um, they were going to do a subplot with about Jason's father. Okay. Uh you know the guy in the cemetery, the gravedigger. Yeah. That was originally supposed to be Jason's dad, I think. And there was gonna be, uh Tom McLaughlin storyboarded it out and that and uh but they didn't go through with it, they changed it. Interesting. Interesting. But yeah, so uh Tom Matthews as Tommy, I thought he was alright. I quite like him as a yeah. lead. I think he's fine. Absolutely better than, uh, he better did than it, John Shepherd. Yes. Yes, he <laughs> was better than the last one. Yeah. And uh, he has a fight with Jason in the lake at the end and ties a big rock round his neck and sends him back to the bottom of the lake. That's right. So, is it all over? I don't know. Is it? Ooh. You tell me. Well, we'll find out when we've given our scores. What did you rate part six? I rated it a, I got a right down, a three out of five. Three. Wow. Okay. I gave it three and a half back-breaking Sheriff Garris's back <laughs> out of five. I gave it three out of
1: five head squeezes. So.
0: Okay, yeah, three and a half for me.
1: Yeah, so we're we're
0: kind of on the same page on this on one. On the same page on that. We yeah say so sometimes I'll watch it and I'll love it, and then other times I'll come away and go. I'll put on part four instead. You know. Right, 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 right. So, uh, but but I do enjoy it. It is a good film. It's a well-made film, and it, it sets the tone for where the series is going to go. It kind of does. It kind of does. Kind of does. So, with that in mind, let's move on to the next one.
1: Yeah, let's let's do
0: that. This
2: is the one you've been waiting for.
1: What's happening to me? Your
2: psychokinesis and these delusions... No, you're thought, not listening to me! The one you've been asking for. Hey, Tina, isn't this the way they wear their jackets back in the mental hospital? <laughs> concentrate. Concentrate, Tina! The one you've been dying for give me the creeps okay you big hunk of a man come and get me jason is back but this time someone is waiting 13th, Part 7, The New Blood.
0: There goes the neighbourhood. Right. Friday the 13th, Part 7, The New Blood, from 1988. Directed by John Cole... Now, how do you pronounce this? Is it Beekler? I think that's pretty damn close. I think it's Beekler as well, because I did see something somewhere about how you're supposed to pronounce his name.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, Beekler, Buechler, I
0: don't know, but yeah. Ah, here we go on IMDb. Last name pronounced Beekler. Sweet! John Carl Beekler, him with the big beard and the hairpiece. Starring Terry Kaiser, Jennifer Banco, John Otrin, Kane Hodder. Woo! Woo! First one, first one, first one. Larpark Lincoln, Kevin Spurtas, and William Butler. In this one, years after Tommy Jarvis chained him underwater at Camp Crystal Lake, the dormant Jason Voorhees returns to the campgrounds when he's accidentally released from his prison by a telekinetic teenager. Of course he is. <laughs> I
1: have, I have written down in brackets, Jason versus a telekinetic.
0: Well, Jason versus Carrie is what this one's usually subtitled as.
1: <laughs> I didn't even get, oh my god, missed opportunity for me. Oh, uh, you didn't get that. No, I didn't even make a connection. Oh shit! I, this will be the last ancient
0: summer podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> I do believe I'm right in saying originally this was going to be Freddy versus Jason. No.
2: they were thinking
0: about it way back when, and this is okay. what it was supposed to be. And when they couldn't, <laughs> they couldn't get the rights. You know, New Line and Paramount couldn't agree on the rights and everything. So I think somebody came up with the idea of well, let's have Jason against a different horror monster. Oh, we haven't got the rights to any other horror monsters. Let's uh, let's have a telekinetic girl
1: <laughs> with a with a with a oddly strange yet abusive doctor
0: <laughs> Terry Kaiser. Yeah, <laughs> playing Doctor Cruz.
1: Yeah, yeah, Him
0: from yeah, Weekend yeah. at Bernie's. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, then kick us off. You hadn't seen this one before either, had you? No. No. no okay, no, kick no, us off no. then. What do you think?
1: All uh, right, okay. Dog Pete magic lightning, telekinetic resurrection. (laughs) I don't even know what to say about that. I mean, they're trying, Mm -hmm. but the goofiness of that had me put out right away. Okay. And that's, I I, I guess maybe, I don't want to say I didn't see this in the 80s, so there's no nostalgia here, and I'm watching it, and I'm just thinking,
0: telekinetic? Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, let's be honest. So far, you've believed that Jason can be Killed and brought back to life. So why can't you believe telekinetic? You know what? From that perspective, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, it's I not gotcha. like it's been a real life drama so far, is it?
1: <laughs> no, no. And you know, and I guess it's you know, you kind of have to, which I didn't do. You kind of have to just go into it with the mindset of this is going to be fun. Okay. And is it fun? It is fun in parts. It, it is fun in parts. Um, I'm looking back at my notes. Uh, we got more head crushing, Yes. Uh, which I like. Now, I have to comment. I have to comment. Hmm. This was the one that I have written down. The sleeping bag kill? Is this the movie? Yes. Best kill.
0: Okay. I'm going to get to you on that in a minute.
1: Okay. But, yeah, it was fun. I, and maybe I was really put off by the doctor, and I was just, you know, the doctor finally gets killed at the end, but you just kind of wish the guy would have gone sooner. But it, it wasn't a bad movie. I he
0: he missed an opportunity, really, because, you know, when Jason's going after him and he puts that girl's mother in front of him. Yes. Surely Jason's machete would have bounced off of her hair. The amount of fucking airspray she's got on. <laughs>
1: that that was a four Aquanet
0: hairdo. <laughs> did them, four it, did it, Aquanet. it didn't go with her face, did it? No. <laughs> it looked like a, a not only a, a wig, it looked like a helmet.
1: <laughs>
0: it reminded me.
1: Of the old TV show called Six Million Dollar Man.
0: Yeah, yeah, Lee Majors. Where he he would
1: run sixty miles an hour. Yeah. And his hair never moved.
0: Never. No. Never moved. Well. Slow slow motion running sixty miles an hour. Doesn't that happen with you when you run sixty miles an hour? (laughs) Like I said, them days are gone for me, so Oh gosh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's okay. Uh, what did you think of Kane Hodder as Jason?
1: I enjoyed Kane Hodder as Jason. Um, he was a lot more menacing than, than
0: the other ones. Yeah. And maybe that's just because, you know, he's a much bigger person. I don't think he's necessarily that much bigger than C.J. Graham was. Well, maybe that's
1: true. But for whatever reason, he ch- maybe it's just because I know it's Kane Hodder, he's more
0: menacing. It could be. I think... A chicken or an egg. Yeah... I do think that Kane Hodder does bring something to the role that the other actors haven't. Very subtle things. If you notice, he does things like he'll turn his head and then turn his body. A bit like Robocop. Okay. He does little things like that, which the other Jasons haven't done. He does that gnashing thing with his jaw as well. You know, and it's maybe it's the fact
1: that I never watched him that closely. Hmm. But those little nuances are something like, Ooh, the Kane Hodder, yes. yes. Okay. If you
0: if you put all the Jasons in one film and had them all running around, you'd be able to spot Kane Hodder out of the rest of them, I think. I think so too. Yeah.
1: I really do. But you're right. There's something for me I couldn't put it into words. You put words around it that it just he does bring something.
0: Yeah. I, again, I saw this on video back in the day. Uh, when I started watching the Friday the 13th on video, this was the latest one out. So this is why I'm guessing, okay. this is why I'm guessing yeah. I was about 12 when it, when I started okay. watching. So yeah, this was the latest one. So I think I probably saw, you know, three, one, five, probably six, then this one and part okay. four, all around the same time. Gotcha. Much like you, when I first saw it and for a long time, I thought, fucking you know, telekinesis, bloody stupid stupid idea yeah we can drown and we can chop his head off we can do all sorts and he can come back that's all right but fucking telekinesis fuck off right yeah for a long time this was my least favorite out of the whole series um i really didn't like it at all when i rewatched it about 10 years ago on dvd for the first time i actually enjoyed it i didn't watch it for quite some time i came back to it i watched it on dvd and i thought ah. Oh, that Was all right actually. I I I didn't mind the telekinesis thing. It didn't bother me anymore. Again, Kane Hodder as Jason. I also like. I like John Carl beaker anyway. Okay. He's a guy with a special effects background, but he's he's directed a few things and he's he's in the Hatchet films as well and all that sort of stuff. So um, he's and again he gives good interview on the uh, Crystal Lake Memories as well. Gotcha. I do know that coming back to it on DVD, there were things on it that weren't on the original VHS. That the uh, oh, BBFC, no. I think, had, had let go, let through. Okay. This is the one out of the whole series that has been chopped the most, I believe. If you get the, on Crystal Lake Memories, they do show some scenes from, some like missing scenes that were found. They were originally cut out and then they were found and uh, they were, they haven't been put back into the film, but they are in a very bad quality. Gotcha. On there. But John Carl Beakler says there's lots of other stuff that was cut out that, they think is lost now. So you'll probably never get a full uncut version. I think if we did, we may be a bit more positive about it. Um, I don't like any of the characters in the film.
1: Right. I, I agree.
0: I think this is the first one where you, you want Jason to finish everybody off. <laughs> you know, you know, you get to that point in Nightmare on Elm Street where you're thinking, Oh, get away from Freddie, get away from Freddie. And then you get to the point where you think, go on, Freddie, get them. <laughs> yeah. Right, We're at that point right. now, I think.
1: But I, I will say this. Yeah. The sleep, the sleeping bag part and where the girl says, Dan, we need wood. Yeah. Okay. I, I enjoyed that part. I made note about it. It made me laugh. I was 12, but at least they were trying to be clever.
0: Yeah. Sleeping bag kill. That was heavily cut. The original one, he swings the sleeping bag uh, about half a dozen times, I think. Oh. There is a school of thought that says it's more effective with just the one swing which shows how strong Jason is, sort of thing, which is fine. I don't know whether this is my eyes, but I've always think of, when he does the sleeping bag up and picks it up and swings it, it looks like it's her feet that are smashing against the tree. If you look at the end, he gradually grabs and picks up. Ha! Could he? Uh, it look, it looks like it from, where, from last... I mean, it's been about three months since I watched it, but... um it looks. I've always thought he picks it up by the by her head end and swings her feet at the tree, and then when he undoes it, her head's like a bloody mess. And I always thought that doesn't actually make sense. Right. That, that may be a fault of the editing, or it may just be my eyes, and I miss something. But yeah, which is why whenever people say, "Oh, the sleeping bag Kill's great," the idea is great. I'm not so sure that it's actually as good as you think it is.
1: Well, you know what? I, but I can tell you from a first time watch, it's really good. Now, Mm. critics, I don't know. But from a first time watch, you're like, oh, shit, that
0: was good. I don't know whether you've seen it yet, but um, the sleeping bag kill may come back to haunt us later in the series. Okay. Okay. That's all I'll say. All right. All right. right, Yeah, there's not a lot else to say about the new blood. It is a stupid film, but I think it's a well it's well put together. Stupid film. It looks good. It fits in with the rest of the series. Kane Hodder, I think, makes it is the best thing about it. Right. He often says that it's his favorite one
1: you know and i can i can see that cuz he's he's a he's a lot more menacing in part 7 versus part 8 part 8 it's
0: just kind of he's not as menacing i don't think well, well we'll get there in a minute okay yeah i think the final battle with i keep calling a telekinetic girl what's her character name i can't remember uh tina tina yeah tina yeah, it's fine. Like I said you watch it you think this is dumb, but then it's not in the context of real life and fantasy, it's not as dumb as anything we've seen so far really. So Right. Yeah, again, it's fine. I just I don't think it's as good as some of the others. <laughs> you know, it it's not It's not but, the wor- I don't think it's the worst of the series now, I'll say that.
1: But you know, it's hard to it's hard to rate because it's above average. Yeah. But it's It's not as good as others.
0: It's well made, but I don't think you come away from it with your fist in the air like you do with, you know, part six or you do with part four or something like that. Right.
1: It's, you know, I rated it a three out of five, but only because I couldn't do a two and a half because it was better than that.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. Okay, I gave it three hairsprayed wigs out of five as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, I got, you know, three sleeping bag kills out of five.
0: Yeah, I think the sum of its parts is better than the actual end result. So you've got Kane Hodder, you got John Carl Beekler, so you've got names there. Right. There's a couple of recognisable faces in there Terry Kaiser, William Butler's in there, who we've seen in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, and a couple of other things. So, you know, it, it, it's fine. It's not amazing, but I don't think it's crap. Right. You know, it's, yeah, but like you say, it's better than a two and a half. It, it does deserve a bit more than that. So I think three's a fair rating. Right. Okay. That in mind, then, let's move on to another potentially controversial one. Party the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan, Ooh, from 1989, directed by Rob Hedden, starring Jensen Daggett, Kane Hodder, Whey! Yeah. Barbara Bingham, Peter Mark Richman, Tiffany Paulson, Todd Caldecott, and Warren Munson. In this one, a boat full of graduating high school students head to Manhattan. They fucking don't. Accidentally pull <laughs> Jason Voorhees along for the ride. Which well, not accidentally. I think he does it on purpose. Right. Right. Uh, we're, we, we're going to call
1: this what Jason takes a cruise.
0: <laughs> Jason takes Ontario, or wherever.
1: Right. It is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> it
0: just,
1: it's, it's got so much. Okay. Um,
0: okay. Right. So, I take it. I take it you hadn't seen this one.
1: No. No. <laughs> okay. No. And all like all. That I could think about as I'm watching this movie was the Woods of Ypres song "Wet Leather," because that's I'm, every time I see <laughs> Kane Hotter, all there is it's just wet leather, and I'm like, "Jeez!" Oh, so some poor guy, all I can think of, was, you know, some poor guy with squirt bottles is running around spritzing Kane Hotter's <laughs> leather.
0: I imagine just he had. Thinking... A, I imagine he had a wetsuit on under that thing. <laughs>
1: Just oh god, it was just. Uh, but here again, we have the magic of electricity, not in lightning, but in a power line that resurrects Jason.
0: It's a bit Jaws, too, isn't
1: it? It's a bit Jaws, <laughs> too, and yeah, okay. He gets on the boat. Yeah. Takes a takes a cruise with the kids, and you know, just wreaks wreaks havoc. I I wasn't necessarily on board with this one <laughs> until two magical things happened.
0: Oh, go on then.
1: Two very magical things happened. <laughs> Matter of fact, I was bored with this movie until, until the boxing scene. <laughs> right. And, and we see the high school boxer, the one who didn't get killed, um, square off against Jason. I rewatched that scene five times.
0: Okay. I'm glad you said that.
1: Because all I could think is dangertainment. <laughs> All I could think of is Bust Arrive's Halloween
0: Part 7. Do you know, I never made that connection. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. Kung Fu against Michael Myers. Oh, my
1: God. And I'm just thinking, holy shit. Where is this? Somewhere. And I just, I was, I just, I was so tickled. I was laughing. I was crying. <laughs> I I couldn't find my copy of Halloween 7 to rewatch that <laughs> scene. I wanted to so bad. And oh, oh it'll, my
0: be on, God. it'll be on YouTube.
1: Oh, geez. I didn't even think about that, but I, the boxing scene was just, it was magnificent. It was just like, this is taking me back to Kung Fu Buster Rhymes. And I was in, I, it was, it was glorious. And, and then we get to the ending. <laughs> um. This had, this has, well, not the ending. Almost to This has what can only be described as the worst car hit ever. <laughs> Where she is in the car barreling down Jason and the stunt people that did it just. Oh God, it was horrible. It, it just. Oh my God, even I could have done a better job. I like think <laughs> the way that the the way that the tuck and roll was done was just. I I rewatched it again five or six times just because it tickled me so much. I'm like, oh, this is the worst car hit ever. Okay. But to me, those two things elevated the movie to like, yes, now we're having fun. This is what it's supposed to be.
0: Yeah, that's just not enough of it.
1: There's not enough of it, and and you know, and so I was on a high when we got to the ending. Yeah, okay, I'm on board. You throw toxic shit at Jason, and he, he turns all ugly, and then the water rips him away, and he's in the sewers of New York, and I was on board with all that at this, point. but it took. The boxing scene, which was just genius. Okay. And that stupid car hit. And I was there. It, I, I was absolutely in
0: with the movie of that Okay. Right. I saw this on video when it came out. Okay. okay. Uh I was about 13. Again, much like part five, I rented it on a weekend. And I watched it about half a dozen times. <laughs> yeah. Okay. When I was 13. And I used to fucking love this film. <laughs> i watched it on dvd about 10 years ago when i bought the set and i went okay it's not as good as i remember it but you know it's passable it's fine and then i watched it a couple of months ago on blu-ray uh i guess with my slightly critical eye and i went this is shit is it <laughs> but nostalgia has saved it for me this is a bad film it's illogical it makes no sense Why are these kids, rich college kids, going on a trip to New York in what looks like a fucking battleship? It's gunmetal grey. What happened to all the other kids that were on there we saw boarding at the beginning who suddenly disappeared? How do you get out of Crystal Lake on a boat? It's a lake. There's no sort of little stream to the sea. Now look, Chris, we've got dog
1: piss. We've got a series of (laughs) magic lightnings. We've got telekinesis. And you're worried about how to get a boat from a lake? Over Staten Island in New York?
2: Really?
0: Does the council in New York flush the sewers with toxic waste every night at midnight? I think not. (laughs) Of course they do. No, they don't. Don't talk shit.
1: Where do you think the alligators come from? (laughs) Have have you not seen a movie called Shud?
0: Yes, yes, I know it, yes.
1: Okay, I'm just saying.
0: Yeah, Jason Takes Manhattan is a bad film, and of
1: course it is. That's a terrible film.
0: It's a terrible film, and I think the people involved realize that. That said, I think it just about gets away with being a so bad it's good.
1: Oh, it does. Well, especially towards the end when that when that boxing yeah. scene comes in, it's just you're just you're you're just in a glorious euphoria of stupid shit and loving every minute of it. Much like
0: you, when I was 13, I saw that boxing scene and I just kept hitting rewind and watching it again. And it's brilliant. It absolutely is brilliant. (laughs) Character called Julius. He's boxing against Jason on a rooftop. Jason just, he says, come on, take your best shot. Jason swipes him with a haymaker and knocks his head off. (laughs) Right? It's fucking brilliant. It is oh, gone. God. It's the best bit of the film. Um, it is one of the best kills. I think what stands out for me the most in this film is the fact that it's pretty bloodless. There's no real gore in this. You don't see the kills as much as you do in the other films. You know what Jason's done. You see him stabbing someone or you see him hitting someone, but you don't actually see broken body parts, blood and guts. I'm trying to think.
1: The guy, the guy and girl at the beginning of the movie. Yes. She gets stabbed with some part, of a, a, some part of a spear gun. No, he gets stabbed with some part of a spear gun.
0: Yeah. Uh, she hides in the, in the, like, that little section of the boat, and Jason just pushes that fork, like, fork down on her, doesn't he? Yeah,
1: but there was no... Now that you mentioned it, I don't remember there being a
0: whole lot of blood with that. No, there was a little splash that came out of the wood. Yeah, it. yeah right, right, right. Interesting. It's weird because... Somebody had to point that out to me. I didn't notice it years ago. And someone went, oh, I hate that one. There's no blood in it. And I went, oh, shut up. There's loads of good kills. And He went, yeah, there's loads of good kills, but there's no blood. And I went back and watched it and went, shit, he's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's a major problem with it. I think, again, it's a missed opportunity like all these films are. Someone had the title. It could have been good. I do believe the budget got slashed into production. I think that contributed, obviously, to it. I like Kane Hodder in this. Again, he does... He stalks out of all the killers. I think the way he just moves around that ship is wonderful. He does, but... I just like watching him move.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you. But just that whole wet leather thing was just... It just was like, oh, my God.
0: We've got some of the blandest kids ever. Yes, yes, we do. Jensen Daggett plays the lead girl. Um, She's not the worst. She's not the best. She's fairly bland. Peter Mark Richman plays the head teacher. Yeah, he's a dick like he is in every movie. And he's fucking awful. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, you know, Again, again, when Jason gets hold of him, you're cheering Jason on.
1: Right. He plays that same character almost every movie he's right.
0: in. Yeah, I've seen him in a few things before. To be fair to him, he gives a good interview on, on Crystal Lake Memories. Oh, I'm sure he does. He does. Uh, he comes across quite well, but he's fucking terrible in this. Um, Kane Hodder te- tells a good story about um, being in... Um, uh, What's what's the a Times Square in New York? They did shoot one scene in New York, which is in Times Square. I think they did it they were there for about ten minutes filming. It was one of those quickly jump in film get out jobs and uh Kane Hodder tells a story about he got out of the car dressed as Jason and there were just crowds and crowds of people cheering him on. He said he just felt like a rock star.
1: That's awesome. But I but you gotta imagine. I mean, this is the heyday, right? Let's go back to yeah. nineteen eighty nine. Kane Hodder, dresses Jason, gets out of a car in New York City. Holy shit. That, I mean, that must have just been absolute
0: bonkers. Absolutely. Can you imagine? That said, I think this is probably the first Friday the 13th film that didn't do so well financially. I am pre- I might be right in saying it. That's why there's a gap between this and the next one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the writing was on the wall for the series at the moment. You know, Freddie oh. was the big business in 1989. Yeah. So, uh,
1: yeah. Well, you know, and they made, I think, this sounds really stupid, but I think they made Freddy more family accessible? Does that
0: make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. Then they
1: did, then they did Jason.
0: Yeah, I was having this chat with someone the other day, actually, and we were talking about, you know, how accepting horror icons and making them mainstream, and I said, in 1989 or 1990, around that time, I said, if you showed the average person on the street a picture of Freddy and a picture of Jason and said, who are they? I said nine out of ten would know who Freddy was. Right. Six six out of ten might know who Jason was. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. A exactly. um, bit of trivia about this film. I don't know if you know this. You know the scene when Jason goes into the um, restaurant in New York and that big guy comes out from behind the counter? Uh-huh. That big guy is Ken Kersinger. Really? Who plays Jason in Freddy vs. Jason.
1: I did not know that.
0: There you go. Interesting. Interesting. A little bit of foreshadow there. Ooh. That's right. That's right. But uh, yeah, again, nostalgically, I'll always have time for this film because it does have a certain fun element
1: to right. it, the fact
0: that it's so bad. I'd probably put this on over part seven, to be honest. Even though I don't think it's as well made a film. Well, you know, in this
1: one, you can you can put it out in the background. You can yeah. Multitask. But I'll tell you what, when that boxing scene comes on, you're stopped. Oh yeah. You're watching the screen, and you were loving every minute of
0: it. I do also like the scene where Jason's walking on the street and he kicks those punks' radio. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, no, and he just of- turns yeah. around and raises his mask. That's fucking no, great. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but it's it's
1: just like you're watching Buster Rhymes in Halloween. Because, oh, yeah. you know... Buster's dressed up as Jason, and that or Michael, and then there's the real Michael, and he's telling him to fuck off and go away, and Michael leaves. Yeah. You're gonna watch that scene every time it's on,
0: every time. I think the difference is Halloween tonally has always been very serious, even yes. when it got stupid, it was very serious.
1: Yes, fair play. Yes.
0: and I think Friday the Thirteenth by this point knew that they were taking the piss a bit. Right, right. So yeah, and I, I they, and that yeah. move, I I think Jason is more. Caine Hodder in this film. This is the most Caine Hodder that Jason's ever been, I think. Yes. You know, I, Kane, I, if I, Kane Hodder walked down the street and kicked your stereo, and you went, "Hey man," and he he would turn around and give you the look like Jason did, then you yes. go, "All right, all right, don't worry about it." Man. You know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I would be I would be nothing but a brown streak coming out of my pants as I am run.
0: Yes. Did I tell you I stood next to Kane Hodder and he's shorter than me? What? Caine Hodder's shorter than me, and I'm a, and I'm six foot. Really. He gives his height as about six foot three, officially. Are you? Really? Honestly, I was at Fright Fest last year and I was stood in the foyer of the cinema where Kane Hodder was giving his press interview. And I was stood about six feet from him. Uh Uh-huh. And Luke Owen will back me up on this because he was stood with me. And I said to him at the time, I said, I'm bigger than Kane Hodder. Do you reckon I could take him? (laughs) (laughs) I said, we'll count to three and we'll just rush him. Go on.
1: (laughs) You know what? I, 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 oh my God, if Kane had heard you and given you the Jason head
0: turn. I love Kane Holder and he would wipe the fucking floor with me. Don't. Of, of <laughs> course. Oh, okay. he, he's still intimidating. I, honestly, I looked at him and I thought he doesn't look that big. And then when I went to the Q&A uh, at the Prince Charles cinema, he took his jacket off and the size of his fucking arms. Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does Does he still, does he still pick people up by the throat? Yes, yes, church. I believe
0: he still does that. Sweet. I think if I didn't speak to him, I'd, I'd like to have spoken to him, but I didn't. But, uh, yeah, apparently if you ask him for a photo, he says, do you want a Kane Hodder photo or a Jason photo? Sweet. If you say Kane Hodder, he puts his arm around you and gives you a smile and all that sort of stuff. If you say a Jason photo, he picks you up by the throat. Ah, love it. Which is nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's, he, he's a very imposing guy. He really is.
1: I can imagine. I mean, really? Because I, I mean, you just you kind of look at it and you know that you know weightlifter. Oh
0: yeah, it's what he does. You know, he's like Robert England. You know, he knows his audience. He knows uh, what people go to watch his films for, and you know, he lays it on thick. Yep. Uh, Interestingly enough, I didn't tell you this at the um, Q and A I went to. He revealed that he was offered the role of Michael Myers in Friday the Thirteenth Part Five. Really? Not Friday Thirteenth. Sorry, Halloween Five. Yes, but he was he was away he was away filming something else. And he said they got him on the phone and said, you know, we'd like to offer you this film, blah, blah, blah. And he he said he undenied about it and then sort of went, no, I'll stick with the film I'm doing sort of thing. And then came away. And he said years later, he thought about it because he's played obviously played Jason. He's played Freddie, which we'll get to on the next show. He's played Leatherface in the trailer for Texas Chainsaw 3 and obviously okay. Victor, Victor Crowley in the Hatchet films. Sweet, and he's 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 even given an an interview recently where he said he wants still now wants to play Michael Myers. Awesome. So if he can get a Michael Myers role as well, then uh, he's played you know the big guys. Yeah, yeah, cool. But anyway, back to Friday the Part Eight. Right, what's your rating? Three and a half. Three and a half. Bloody hell. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm going to give you. Oh, have I written three point two down? Fucking idiot. Three and a half. Right. Right. My rating is. Two and a half decapitated heads out of five. Shit, that's funny. Yeah, nostalgia gets it through for me. If I hadn't have seen this in 1989, I was watching it for the first time now, I'd probably go, that was shit. But Still the boxing scene. The, but, the, uh, yeah, that again, it's a standout scene in the whole series. If you put the best deaths in the series, that is definitely in the top three, I think. Uh The other reason that people don't like Friday the 13th Part 8, I don't know whether you picked up on it, is the fact that this is the one where Jason teleports. Did you, <gasps> you notice that?
1: Oh, my God. Did I miss that? <laughs> Shit.
0: Yeah. he's The guy's Aww. running across the deck of the ship. Jason's behind him. He turns around looks. Jason's right there. He climbs the flagpole, looks up, and Jason's above him. Now, <laughs> in the big scheme of things, I know this is stupid, but I don't mind it. I can live with it. And do you know why? Why is that? Because this is a series that we're now in the eighth uh, installment. Jason's had his head chopped. He's had bits cut off, eyes gouged out, all sorts, this, that and the other. And he keeps coming back. So we're definitely in the realms of the supernatural. (laughs) In the last film, he went up against (laughs) someone with psychic powers. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. And people are now complaining at part eight. Hang on, he can teleport. I'm not having that.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's the least of the problems.
0: Exactly. <laughs> if you watch um uh, Crystal Lake Memories, the director actually says he put that bit in there because he had no other way of getting Jason to the guy. And he said, <laughs> I, he said, "I didn't know what to do." He said, "So I just put him there, tele- make him teleport, and see if if people like it or not." So I've got no oh excuses. God. It's there because it's there. It's just so practical. Yeah. So yeah, it is dumb, it is stupid, but ultimately we're on part eight and we're we're on a boat that's in a lake that's not actually connected to the sea, but managed to make it to New York. Right. <laughs> you know, we've got to forgive a few things here.
1: Right, right. And they managed uh, this whole series to put a rapey scene in it. Isn't that pleasant?
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: They could have left all that part out. It, it, it had
0: nothing to do with the plot. <laughs> <laughs> plot? Jesus. There's a plot? Fucking hell. <laughs> So, yeah, so part eight, you know, it's not a good film, objectively, but you, you can have a lot of fun with it if you go into it with the right mindset. So
2: Exactly.
0: Exactly. So I think we'll leave our Friday the 13th there till next time when we'll uh, tidy up with uh, Jason X and Jason Goes to Hell and what else is there? Freddy versus Jason and the remake. Ooh.
1: Yeah, the remake with, uh, you know, the guy from Supernatural, who I can never pronounce his name.
0: Jared something or another, blah, 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 I don't know. Jared Kajagoogoo or something, his name, isn't it? Yeah,
1: Kajagoogoo,
0: yeah. no, wait a minute, that's a stupid music <laughs> <laughs> I better learn it, because I'll be reading it out next show, so uh, I'll I'll figure that I out. I don't have to think,
1: but okay, yeah.
0: We'll get there next show. So, yeah, so just as a little um, teaser, what did you think of the four we've just covered then? What's your the thoughts? Because you've never seen them before. You know what? Let's just wait till the end. Okay, okay. Ooh, interesting, interesting. Okay, shall we move on to some Feedback? Let's do some feedback. Excellent. I'm gonna go first. You go first then. This is from
1: our good friend Chris. Hello, my fine gentleman. Unfortunately for you, I cannot resist an opportunity to rant about Jason Takes Manhattan. But first, but first, I'll share a few brief thoughts about the other three films you'll be, you're talking about in this episode. So this at least resembles constructive feedback. You know, Chris, when we talk about these later Jasons, I don't know if there's anything to construct. <laughs> Part 5. I like it more than I should, even though Spider from Return of the Living Dead bites it in an outhouse after an emergency bowel evacuation. (laughs) That was was pretty clinical. Ooh, baby, ooh, baby. I was going to say there was a song. (laughs) Anyway, he deserved better. Uh, Also, I've noticed the cable channels have figured out that we can see through Pam's white shirt during the final chase in the rain and have started wearing her boobs because she's not wearing a bra. (laughs) <laughs>
0: yes, I'll just interject there. Um, that is one advantage to getting this film on Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> right. When I used to watch it on VHS, it was just sort of grainy enough where you couldn't make it out. But I'm glad somebody's taken the time to uh, clean that image up.
1: <clears throat> Restore that particular sequence.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Part six, it's okay. I'm always sad that a horse shack dies. We talked about that. And, and Freddie from Return of the Living Dead takes over as Tommy. So that's something. Yeah. Part seven. I always forget about this movie when I'm going through the franchise. It's not that I dislike it. I watch it whenever it's on. I guess Carrie versus Jason just isn't that memorable for me, despite the presence of Terry Kaiser.
0: Yeah, people uh, point out Terry Kaiser more than they do about the fact the girl's got telekinesis. <laughs> 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 They're more amazed that Bernie's in it.
1: <laughs> oh Jesus, telekinesis, Chris. And uh,
0: you didn't you didn't get the Carrie thing, dearie me.
1: Yeah, I know. I know. This it, <laughs>
0: missed opportunity. Talking of missed opportunities.
1: <laughs> oh god! Now let's talk about part eight. I realized that the budget prevented them from filming more in New York City, and that's why so much of the film is played out on the boat. Since that was the case, they just have to set the whole thing up on the ship, added a buffet, and <laughs> 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 it takes a cruise. Uh, that's a sequel Al
0: Pacino wasn't expecting.
1: Oh, that sequel no one (laughs) wants. But they didn't, and so this movie just pisses me off. The whole business with Rennie being haunted by child Jason is the stupidest thing, and I say that knowing full well that this movie is full of stupid (laughs) things. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That it's absolutely unnecessary. The whole grand scheme of the story causes me rage. Rennie is afraid of the water. Her uncle is an unrelenting prick. Everybody but the cute captain's son and the one teacher is mean to her. And Jason Slaughter's The Ball is all sufficient. Stick to that. I wouldn't care that Jason fucking <laughs> works to the top of the mask. See? And, and, and that there's a sauna and a disco in this rush for high school students are somehow allowed to be passengers
0: It should have so, been captained by Quint.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, when you put it in that perspective, Yes. There's sauna and a disco on probably the worst cruise ship ever. (laughs) It's a trawler. (laughs) Uh, Seriously. Hang all the disco balls you want. This is a shitty senior trip. Yes. (laughs) The film spends so long killing people on the boat that that by the time they get to Manhattan, it's like, what's the point? You get Jason walking through Times Square and that's it. The rest of it is Vancouver backlot with the sole purpose of killing off the remaining few people for the boat. The boat is drug-dealing buggers who kidnap ready inject her or something so they can assault her. Because we need this pointless scene so everybody knows that these people are definitely, well, certainly in New York City and not Canada. Exactly. They
0: wouldn't do that in Canada.
1: Right. <laughs> and the absolute worst thing, I mean, there's worse things than the disco ball about this <laughs> situation is that I hate watching every time it comes on just so I can curse it and repeatedly question why Peter Mark Richman is in it he could be a freaking much better (laughs) fit.
0: Kristen if you watch it every time it's on telly the TV company's viewings go up they think you enjoy it they'll keep showing it (laughs) stop watching it
1: I hate watching every time it comes on that's the best line ever (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God! The only good part about this movie is that there's a dog and he lives. will am I ranting on that high note because it's the only one? Until next time, gentlemen, when I defend Jason X and you ban me from ever sending feedback again, Kristen
0: at Kiki Writes. Well, thanks, Kristen. Yeah. Um. Well, yes, you'll hear us next time talking Jason X, and you may be surprised. You may be surprised. That's all I'll say. So she doesn't like part eight, then. <laughs>
1: I believe the words hate-watching um, clarify
0: that. <laughs> Is that like hate-fucking? <laughs> Not that I know about such things. Right. I've got some feedback. <laughs> when you're ready. <laughs> oh, my, I'm only drinking coffee. Oh, well, I'm on the lemonade, so <laughs> that's good enough for me.
1: Uh, too bad. It would be, It would be really bad if I had something stronger. I really can't drink anymore. But, you know...
0: Yeah, well, and I don't drink at all, so if I was, then I would have the police round, no doubt. Anyway, (laughs) they'd be tracing my internet provider, yes. Right, right, right. Right, i got some feedback, and it's from our buddy Blue. Oh, goody. And I hope she's sobered up now. (laughs) Anyway, right. Hi, guys, Blue here with a bit of feedback for your second episode on the Friday the 13th franchise. Before I get into that, though, and from the naughty step, I'm going to go back to part four and the reasons why I'm not keen on that movie. Yes. uh, Cast your mind back. I did tell her off for being harsh on part four. You did. I did. did. I have no nostalgia for any of these films as I came to them rather late. I must have been in my 30s when I first viewed them. Also, at the end of part three, Jason gets an axe to the frontal lobe. It's not just a little ding. It's a full on axe stuck in there. In part four, Jason is in the mortuary, so you can safely assume he has no pulse or signs of life. And then he sits up. Yes, that's sort of the point. This spoils the rest <laughs> of the film for me. I watch him mooching around in the woods with a bloody big gaping hole in his head and not even a concussion. What bollocks. I don't think they showed his bollocks, to be honest.
1: Uh, and, and this is Friday the 13th, part four. So, yeah, uh, I think we know uh, what uh, to
0: expect <laughs> by now. I be
1: Let's be totally honest
0: here. I can't wait till Jason X on the next show then. (laughs) When I was six, I was belted in the forehead by one of those brass school bells. I ran into it while the teacher was on an upswing. Ooh. I didn't see stars. I saw the Big Bang and nothing and woke up 30 minutes later in a hospital. There's no way Jason could survive that blow without <laughs> medical intervention. So can I come off the naughty step now, you know, before I get to like it too much? Uh,
1: no, go back to the naughty step because this is part four of a Jason movie.
0: If you're viewing part four and saying there's no realism in it, <laughs> that would never happen. Someone's doing something wrong. And bear in uh. mind... Blue's on the naughty step because last night on Twitter she said she was watching Inferno and that it was a cannibal film. <laughs> I saw that. You know, Argento's famous cannibal film, Inferno. <laughs> oh my
1: God. Uh, hey, at least you didn't mistake it for the Steve McQueen Towering Inferno
0: movie. That would have been my next guess. I did ask if she meant Green Inferno and she said, no, it's definitely Inferno. That's not a cannibal film. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So, Friday the 13th, part 5. I'm beginning to feel sorry for Jason at this point. Drowned, has a psychotic mother who gets murdered, then has to live for fuck knows what in the forest. Magic mushrooms or some such bollocks. While he grows into a strapping lad. It's enough to push anyone's buttons really, isn't it? I'm sure if I'd been axed in the head and miraculously came back to life... No, I'm not letting... She's not letting this drop, you know. Only to be poked into mincemeat with a blunt machete by a little kid, I would want to go on mur- a murdering rampage too. Tommy is all grown up and hallucinating. We have rednecks. We have boobies. Yay, boobies. You can't miss them in this film. And no, you can't. Not on my 50 inch telly. It does beg the question. Do they have bras in America? No. (laughs) Plenty of tits, but no bras. Not one of those girls wore one. Talk about titillation. (laughs) The kills are pretty good. Decapitation. Shears to the eyeballs. But who's doing it? Could it be Tommy? The suspense is killing me. It turns out it wasn't Tommy after all, but one of those paramedics who lost the plot. <laughs> and he isn't the only one. I'm looking at you script writers. <laughs> after seeing his boy murdered earlier by the buff-looking wood-chopping bloke. If it wasn't for those pesky kids, he probably would have nobbled the blonde lass instead of getting skewered. I quite enjoyed this film now, as Tommy has gone completely psycho and has become Jason. So I give it three and a half boobies in a wet shirt out of five. Ooh. Oh. See, it's a good film, part five. I like it. Friday the 13th, part six. No, Tommy hasn't become a murdering psychopath. Glares at the script writers yet again. I suggest you go back and watch the previous film before you start the next. No, I think we've given up on continuity now. So Jason is There back. is no continuity. <laughs> there isn't any. So Jason is brought back oh. Frankenstein mode. I bet he's severely fucked off to be brought out of his eternal slumber like that. He's all maggoty and wormy, and he looks fantastic.
1: Oh god! You know what, Chris? You know what this reminds me of is which Halloween where he gets blown away and then Michael Lace for an entire year. <laughs> <laughs> Ar- arises perfectly quaffed.
0: That's the beginning of part five, isn't it?
1: It, it goes
0: on a murder and grab page. <laughs> yeah. I still don't know. How did he poo? He was there for a year. That boiler suit did not come off, so how did he poo? So we just don't have
1: <laughs> We don't bother now.
0: We have paintballers making enough noise to raise the dead. How did they walk so close to Jason and not see him standing there? By this film, I'm completely behind Jason. A, because these people are really annoying, and B, Jason's ass in those tight trousers. <laughs> That's C.J. Graham. He was a a football player, I believe. Um,
1: it, but first off, I need to say they have medicine for this, and Blue maybe needs help.
0: Uh, I am going to add to that, actually. In what, that scene in uh, Part 6, um, there is one shot where Jason is not C.J. Graham. He's the original stuntman guy, and he's visibly about 20 pounds heavier. But anyway... I like the kills. Two people get sharp implements to the head. I wonder if they will just get up and walk again. Okay, I'll go and sit on the naughty step again. You're still on there, Blue. You haven't come off yet.
1: (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) It's also the first film where kids are actually staying in the camp, so no boobies whatsoever. Nope. It's pretty standard fodder, this one. No one believes Tommy. Tommy saves the day, but how the hell did he move a rock that big all on his own? This gets three fully snug boobies in a bra because there are kids about out of five.
1: (laughs) Somebody give Blue a
0: cushion for her bum for the uh, naughty step. Yes, take her some coffee or something. Right. <laughs> Friday Thirteenth, Part Seven. As soon as I saw the dad fall into the lake by the girl using her telekinesis at the start, I knew how this was going to end. Bear right. in mind, two films back, Blue was complaining about realism. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't wrong. Jason looks rough and all wet and slimy. The characters don't seem to have much character and some are added throughout the film just to be bumped off. I've also noticed that everyone goes for a walk in the forest at night without a torch in a place where loads of folk have been murdered. I went for a walk in the forest one night and, well, it was more horizontal jogging than walking. You, But I digress. I think you should. (laughs) <laughs> the impending death by circular saw strimmer thingy looked like it was going to be interesting, but I felt a bit let down. I expected mincemeat to be flying in every direction. Uh, there probably was in the uncut version. Uh, and how did Jason find the time to kill all those people and stack the bodies in the place where he knew Tina would go? I love the stunts in this film. It has more of an action feel to it. Yeah, that's true. The telekinesis was brought in to try and liven things up, which it did. But why didn't Tina use it to rip Jason's head off? Oh, yeah, then we wouldn't be off to Manhattan, would we? I don't, I don't think we went to Manhattan anyway, did we? <laughs> I'm
1: not entirely sure what happened, but there was a sauna in the disco ball.
0: <laughs> it's three and a half flying TVs out of five for me. Almost a four, but not quite. Right. Friday the 30th, part eight. Jason goes on holiday. How does a rather large and heavy boat, along with Jason, get from landlocked lake to the open sea? <laughs> <laughs> I told you.
1: I did. <laughs>
0: The scriptwriters have done it again and made Blue open her mouth in disbelief. I don't like this film very much. From the leery old man to Jason walking through the streets of Manhattan, ignoring all those around him, when all he would do back at camp is slay everything that moved. Yeah, I think there may have been a few too many people in Manhattan for Jason to take up.
1: Oh, my God. But can you imagine? I mean, I know the stories, but just imagine the, um, you know, uh, what's his name? Help me. Kane rolling out of the trailer in, in Manhattan. Yeah. To the amount of people that were there to watch him film, oh, my God. That was oh, yeah.
0: Deep. Oh, yeah, he right? said himself, didn't he, that he felt like a rock star. So, yeah.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> this film bored me more than part four, and uh, how dare you? And the only thought that crossed my mind was, I wonder if Jason has trench foot on his willy with it being wet all the time. <laughs> I don't think he's got one anymore. This is two very small boobies and a huge bra, so they're completely hidden out of five. Oh, dear. Well, again, I've rambled on more than long enough, and I look forward to the next episode, guys. Best wishes, Blue. Thanks, Blue. Thank you, Blue. Next episode will probably be out around Christmas, the way we're going. <laughs> we'll let you know what we think then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God.
2: <sighs> oh,
0: dear. Right, yes. Thanks for your feedback, guys. Fantastic. And we'll be back with more Friday the 13th next time. we got something else to do before, then. Yes, we do. We do. We're going to do a little bonus review. Oh, God. Yes, we are. (laughs) Well, I call it a review. It may be a a slaughter. I'm not too sure. Oh, God. Last summer, we did our George Romero zombie retrospective, and we covered, um, obviously, the six Romero zombie films, and we also did a little bit on the uh, remakes, the main remakes of Night, Dawn, and Day. Day was remade by Steve Miner. We gave our thoughts on it back then, if you want to go back and listen. But somebody (laughs) saw fit to say well, that Steve Miner remake of Day of the Dead wasn't good enough, so we're going to try again. <laughs> I wish they oh. fucking hadn't. So, yes, Day of the Dead bloodline has surfaced. Oh, God. Yes, it has. It has. Let's play a trailer before we get ourselves bogged down. You <laughs> leave tomorrow at dawn. and you come right back
1: no sightseeing no sidetracks
2: lord make me a channel of thy peace where there are shadows i may bring light where there is discord oh my God. Oh my God. Harmony.
0: Go! This is why we don't go on wild goose chase supply runs. So people don't die for nothing. It
2: wasn't for nothing. Just relax.
1: My job is to keep people safe and I decide how that's done
2: sadness I may bring joy Lord grant that I seek to understand His brain is still working They're learning
0: of the Dead Bloodline, 2018. Subtitled, Just Why. <laughs> <laughs> Just Why. Directed by Hector Hernandez Vicen- Vicens. Vic- I'm sorry if I ruined that, but sorry, you ruined this franchise, so I'm going to ruin your name. V-I-C-E-N-S. Vicens, we're going to say. All right. Starring Sophie Skelton, Jeff Gunn, Marcus Vanco, Mark Rhino-Smith, Rachel O'Meara, Luke Cousins, and nobody else of any note. Right. Oh. A small group of military personnel and survivalists dwell in an underground bunker as they seek to find a cure in a world overrun by zombies. We've seen this before. We've Once. seen it before and we've seen um we've we've seen it oh. better, I think, haven't we? Yes, we have. Right. I don't know why anybody saw fit to bring another version of Day of the Dead to the screen, do you? I why? Why? Let's be honest. Why? You're not going to top Romero's film. Right. And I'd say that not out of... Because I know people said that about Dawn, and they did a version of Dawn that was very good. But that had talent behind it. <laughs> and money behind it.
1: it. It had money behind it. Yeah, and, and talent,
0: it, let's be fair. It, it, had,
1: it, it, it did. It had a good, it had good cast. It had some interesting concepts. Yes. The problem, Hector, and we apologise for anything that we're going to say, but the problem, Hector, is you try to do... Almost a shot for shot style remake with a few variations.
0: There are a few variations.
1: And it just, it just, it's, look, Rob Zombie tried to do do it and he failed. Get away from the shot for shot remake. If you're going to do something, do it like the new Dawn. Add a twist. Add some flair. Add some good
0: stuff. The problem is, well, one of the problems is calling it Day of the Dead. Yes. If they just called this Bloodline and released it as a zombie film, do you think it would be any better?
1: It would not carry the baggage of Day of the Dead.
0: Exactly. That is it. Now,
1: would we be sitting here saying, oh, God, they called this Bloodline some Lucas remake Day of the Dead? Yes. But we might give it a lot more of a pass than if you're going to call it Day of the Dead. Because when you say Day of the Dead, oh, great. Okay, here we go. Crazy military guy, underground bunker, doctor trying to cure it. It's been done twice. This better be really fucking
0: good. Well, that's it. And I've got to be fair. When I first saw the poster for this, if you go on Letterbox and go on Day of the Dead Bloodline, it's the main poster that's on there. You've got the close-up of the zombie face, Day of the Dead. I quite like that. I thought it was quite a striking image. Right. You can tell that they're going to be fast-moving zombies, and they are. Again, and now, it's not a problem. You know, we're doing things differently. That's the only thing that it brings to the table that I could say, well, you know, that doesn't disappoint me. Right. But at the beginning, we're in a, uh, u- is it a university hospital? And, yes. uh, trainee nurses, nurse, the main nurse whose character name, I, f- I say character, there's no fucking character there, is there? Um, played by Sophie Skelton. Zoe Parker, the character's called. She takes the blood of this guy who comes in every week because he's got some special thing in his blood that makes him immune to certain diseases um so you know he's going to be the first one to go when the uh, zombies finally attack and they do
1: right, right, right. And, and there's this whole rapist subplot thing and it's like oh for fuck yeah. sake like, really this guy ah. is
0: this guy is taken he's a bit obsessed with with Zoe and he tries to rape her and that's when the first zombie bursts in and attacks him uh obviously she runs away and then we cut to a you know, is it months or years later? Who oh, the cares? Something like, yeah. It's because... later. Zoe is taken up with the scientists and the military in the underground bunker. And, uh, yeah, the, uh, ga- uh, the guy who tried to rape her is now sort of the quote unquote lead zombie. His name is Max. He uh, gets into the facility. They capture him. He gets away. But because his human emotion is still intact, he's still lo- in love with Zoe. He won't kill her. And they still right. try and take his blood to find out why. Because uh, he's not a complete zombie, is he? He's got sort of certain human traits still. So yeah. they think he, he could be the key to a cure.
1: Right. And in the midst of all this, they go get medicine for some dying girl. And yeah. And then, then they go to the hospital where she used to work. And then there's this whole, uh, God
0: help. They try to introduce a character who is supposed to be the uh, Rhodes character from the original. Right. He's the military leader. He's called, uh, is it Salazar? Something like that. He's played by Jeff Gum. Um, he's fucking awful. Right. He really is awful. And I'm not being funny, military or not, in a crowded place like that where you're up close against people. Anyone who speaks like that to people just gets an elbow to the fucking throat. I'm sorry. Yeah. Just gets, just gets pummeled. There's yeah. just no way around it. Yeah. It's bad writing. It's bad acting all the way through. Um, you get a horrible voiceover in a sort of Diary of the Dead style from um, Sophie Skelton, who's I'm sorry, she's sitting there reading that off a blackboard by the sounds of it. It's there's no emotion. It's just woodenly read, read out. Right, right. You know, and it, the film ends with the sort of the obvious, you know, looking out over the horizon. Where does man go from here? Maybe we're the zombies, that type of thing. It's absolute shite. Yes. It's absolute shit. There is nothing good in this film. And why is it, right, when Max is breaking into the facility, because Max is now sort of half zombie, half human, he's taken on the skills of John Rambo. He clings to the bottom of a truck, like Rambo does, and then he climbs into the facility through air vents in search of his lost love. And he talks as well. You may as well have got Sylvester Stallone to play it.
1: Oh God! It's like the
0: disco ball and sauna. <laughs> I'll read you. I'll read you my letterbox review here. I put somewhere George Romero is extremely pissed off, whereas Steve Miner is laughing his ass off as his thousand eight remake is remarkably now not the worst Romero remake. <laughs> you
1: know, <clears throat> I never. You know, because at the point where the John Rambo skills came in, I was so like, oh, dear Lord, just make make it end. Just make make it it end. Make it stop.
0: It's not a good film in any way, shape or form. And sticking the George Romero connection onto it just makes it worse.
1: Oh, God, it does.
0: I really hope somebody fucking (laughs) sues. I hope someone loses their job over this. I really (laughs) do. It's absolute abomination. Right. I mean, Steve Miner's remake was crap. At least you could laugh at it. Right. This one was... It wasn't as be- mean-spirited <laughs> as this one. <laughs> <laughs> no. But at least it had Ving Rhames in it. Yeah, it was just... I don't know. Oh,
1: God. Yeah, Ving Rhames. Yeah, he was in there for, what, all of, like, two
0: minutes? Well, yeah. But that two minutes was better than anything in this film. So, obviously, <clears throat> it doesn't stack up as a Romero remake at all. So So, what
1: happened is they spent all of their budget on that two minutes with Bing rains. More than likely.
0: (laughs) Alright, here's the question, right? Is this a better film than Steve Miner's Day of the Dead? No. No, I don't think so either.
1: And, you know what, technically it may be a better film in terms of some of the action sequences and stuff, but the problem is Steve Miner's film was so freaking stupid you could at least laugh through the whole
0: thing steve Miner's film had a vegetarian zombie yes and that is still more palatable than anything in bloodline
1: <laughs> that is much more palatable than a um john
0: rambo zombie to be fair you know when you look at a film and you get the opening credits and you look at the first scene and you you know what you're in for yes and i thought okay this it looks cheap the acting's bad but, you know, it might have something going for it later on. They might save the best bit till the end, you know, where all the budget's gone and whatever. Sure. As soon as Max the zombie clung to the bottom of that truck, because I even said to myself, he, he's not. No, no, they're not. Um, oh, yeah. As soon as that yeah. happened, I was, I'm i done. I'm done. Just make it in. Make it yeah, stop. Yeah, make it in. Yeah. I'll sit yeah. through the rest of it just to say I've seen it. I've actually watched this fucking twice just to make sure I wasn't like, having a fever dream or something. Oh.
1: Twice? Twice? Wow. God,
0: That's actually more to do with our podcast scheduling, really, because I did watch it once on the premise we were going to record, and then we didn't. And then by the time we got to record again, I'd forgotten all about it. <laughs> oh, my God. I thought
1: maybe you were just into self-flagellation, but, you
0: know. <laughs> if I was going to torture myself, there are other things I would do than sit through this shite again. <laughs> oh, This was a bad film. Um, it's bad on every level. There's nothing good in it at all. Right. The effects, I mean, they're modern zombie effects, you know, it's it's sci-fi channel stuff, so I'm not going to slag it for that because everyone does it now, but the only thing I like is the poster. That is the best bit of it. Right, right. So on that basis, I've given it half a John Rambo zombie clinging to the underneath of a truck that doesn't go over an, an unfortunate speed bump out of five.
1: I'm uh, giving it one half as well because I can't go any lower.
0: I refuse to believe that a film deserves a zero on any level, but...
1: Right, because at least somebody's out there making a film for us to tear apart.
0: Exactly. Um, I just wish that these people hadn't bothered, because it's just... It, it's shit, and I don't like saying something's just shit and then writing it off, because I like to find something that I like, and I can't in this. Right. I actually can't. It really isn't. Like I said, if, it, if it didn't have the George Romero connection, I'd put it down as a, as a straight to DVD zombie film and forget about it. But the fact that it's got Day of the Dead and it even acknowledges George Romero in the credits, I think, no, that makes it worse. It does.
1: If it had been a straight to DVD zombie film, you know, it, this would be around a probably a two star level. But when you're trying to remake Romero and you're not, and you're taking yourself way too serious, this is
0: what happens. Yeah. I know it will happen, but stop remaking Romero's zombie films. Just right. stop.
1: Just let it be. Let
0: it, let be. it be. Yeah, come up with an, your own zombie film, if you like, but just stop putting Romero's name on it.
1: Right. Actually, I think we need to take a
0: break from zombie films
1: for about five years.
0: Yeah. In fact, it's, instead of releasing one every couple of months that's got a shit budget, why doesn't everybody get together and save their budget till they've got some decent money? Then they can get decent writers, decent directors, decent actors exactly that? that's a good idea but then that said look at what romero did on such small budgets you gotta have the talent there
1: right and you gotta yeah
0: exactly the talent and the passion and there isn't any of that in this film right i'm sorry to say but there you go so if anybody is interested in seeing Dave the dead bloodline fuck knows why you would but it's available in the u.s on dvd and I think Blu-ray, and I think there are some European imports floating around. There is no UK release as of yet, and I hope there will not be. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Generally, I remember back when um, uh, Hellraiser 6 and 7 and that came out, and um, you couldn't get UK releases. And I remember reading something with somebody connected with Miramax, and they just said there isn't a call for these films in the UK, so we're not going to release them there. And I hope they do the same thing with Day of the Dead Bloodline.
1: (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. Hellraiser films
0: have since been released, though, so in a few years' time we might get this on an official release. I wouldn't even want this as a DVD extra. (laughs) No. I don't want it at all. No. But we've seen it. We've spoke about it. We don't have to watch it again. Right. And I'm not going to. I'm not going to.
1: I've seen it once. You've seen it twice. Yeah. That's three viewings.
0: Three viewings. That'll bump their figures up, wouldn't it? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It probably double
0: up. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine. Uh, this is going to, it's going to sink straight to, I can imagine some crappy cable TV company might show this at two in the morning. Oh God. On Halloween one time because it's got Romero connection and that's about it. it, it right. Ho- hopefully it will disappear and never be seen or spoken of again. Yeah, at least by us it will. It certainly won't be by us, yes. Right. Oh, well, let's let's not talk about it anymore. Let's not give it any more publicity. Sounds good. Sounds good. Right, that's this show over with. It's only taken three months to record. <laughs> Until Christmas. Until we see you in 2019 <laughs> <laughs> with the next Friday the 13th show, we'll say goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.
2: Hey, hey you okay? Some damn enchiladas. Oh, You gonna be all right?